turn with me tonight to the 10th chapter of Deuteronomy. Going to be looking at the first 11 verses of this chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 10, 1 through 11. You would turn there with me in your Bible. Deuteronomy 10, verses 1 through 11. Would you stand together out of reverence for the reading of God's word? The supreme judge by which all controversies of religion are to be determined, and all decrees of councils, opinions of ancient writers, doctrines of men and private spirits are to be examined, and in whose sentence we are to rest can be no other but the holy scripture delivered by the spirit, into which scripture so delivered our faith is finally resolved. Um, so says the confession of our faith. This is the, the word of God from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. At that time, the Lord said to me, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first and come up to me on the mountain and make an ark of wood. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets that you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. So I made an ark of acacia wood and cut two tablets of stone like the first, and went up the mountain with the two tablets in my hand. And he wrote on the tablets in the same writing as before, the Ten Commandments that the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain out of the midst of the fire, on the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. Then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark that I had made. And there they are, as the Lord commanded me. The people of Israel journeyed from Beeroth, Bini, Jeachin, to Mosira. There Aaron died, and there he was buried. And his son Eliezer ministered as priest in his place. From there they journeyed to Gudgoda, and from Gudgoda to Jotbatha, a land with brooks of water. At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. Therefore Levi has no portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance, as the Lord your God said to him. I myself stayed on the mountain, as at the first time, forty days and forty nights, and the Lord listened to me that time also. The Lord was unwilling to destroy you. And the Lord said to me, Arise, go on your journey at the head of the people, so that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Uh, may the Lord bless uh, the reading of his holy word tonight. Uh, please be seated. The title of our message tonight um, is the Ark of the Covenant. And we're going to expound our text by considering three different points. First, the Lord graciously renews the covenant with Israel. Second, the Lord commands the two tablets of the law 
to be kept in the Ark of the Covenant. And we're going to reflect upon the symbolism of all of that. And finally, the Lord sets apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant and to stand before the Lord. It was made very clear by the Holy Spirit uh, in the last chapter that Israel didn't receive the land because of their merit. Uh, They didn't receive it because of their righteousness. They were a a stubborn and stiff-necked people who were quick to turn aside out of the way. They were, were quick to turn aside from God's commandments. Even before Moses came down from the mountain, they had already made an idol. Uh, They had already broken the covenant. Indeed, because of all the sin that uh, they had committed um, in doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord, because of the the stubbornness of their hearts, because of the wickedness of their sin, uh, the Lord's anger and hot displeasure were burning against them. Um, He was ready to destroy them and blot out their names entirely, uh, blot out their name from under heaven uh, because of their sin. Uh, The Lord certainly would have been uh, justified in doing so. Um, He had uh, delivered them from Egypt to be a a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Um, And after Uh, Hearing the commandments of the Lord and and hearing the terms of the covenant, uh, they had all answered together with one voice and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Uh, They they willingly entered into this covenant with the God of heaven, and yet they turned aside so quickly. They turned so quickly out of the way. Um, It was was nothing less uh, than an act of covenant unfaithfulness, uh, to make a a golden calf to worship, uh, to construct an idol, uh, directly transgressing the first two commandments of the law. It was an act of spiritual adultery or idolatry. It was indicative of the hardness of their hearts, uh, the the wickedness and coldness of their hearts. Uh, It was an act of rebellion. And so the God who who doesn't delight in wickedness, the God with whom evil may not dwell, the God before whose eyes the boastful shall not stand, the God who Psalm 5 tells us hates all evildoers, he would have been completely justified and blotting them out completely. He would have been justified in destroying them altogether. If it weren't for the the intercession of Moses, he very well may have done so. But indeed, out of God's, out of Moses' love for God's people, out of his faith in God's covenant promises, out of his zeal for the glory of God, uh, he implored the Lord through prayer in behalf of the people. It was on account of Moses' prayer, we're told, uh, that God gave them grace. Um, In verse 11 here of our text, Moses says, I myself stayed on the mountain, as at the first time, 40 days and 40 nights, 
And the Lord listened to me that time also. The Lord was unwilling to destroy you. He was gracious. He was merciful. Even more than that, uh, not only did the Lord uh, determine to give them grace, um, he also determined to renew his covenant with them. Moses had, you may remember, uh, shattered the two tablets of the law as he came down from the mountain, uh, symbolizing the, the shattered covenant. In Deuteronomy 9, 15 through 17, he says, So I turned and came down from the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made yourselves a golden calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. So I took hold of the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. Uh, They had broken the covenant, and so Moses had broken the tablets before them. Every single time that we sin against the Lord our God, it's as if we're shattering uh, the tablets It's as if we're casting them aside completely uh, to go our own way. Um, It's as if we could care less whether the Lord is watching or not. And indeed, we see the gravity of that covenant being broken in the symbolism of Moses shattering the tablets, casting them down. And yet, God graciously renews the covenant, with them. In verses 1 through 2 of our text, if you would look there with me, Moses says, At that time, the Lord said to me, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain, and make an ark of wood, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets that you broke and you shall put them in the ark. John Currid writes, Although Yahweh by every right should have destroyed Israel because she broke her covenant obligations, he instead gives grace to the people by renewing his covenant with them. Yahweh is patient and long-suffering with his sinful people, This event underscores what Moses has been attempting to teach the Hebrews. They are inheriting the land of promise, not because of their own virtue or goodness, but merely by the gracious hand of God. And you think about what the Israelites have done, and you think about how they have broken the covenant, how they have so quickly gone astray out of the way, It is amazing to see how gracious and patient and long-suffering our Lord is toward them. It's not our Lord gracious uh, with his people. After Israel was, was led to sin by their kings who did evil in the sight of the Lord, uh, God even then continued to be gracious For instance, when 
Jehoahaz reigned over Israel. They were, they were oppressed by the Syrians all of his days. But the Lord was gracious to them and had compassion on them. And he turned toward them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It would not destroy them, nor has he cast them from his presence until now. After Hezekiah uh, began to reign himself, uh, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord, he, he led a revival of worship and he, he cleansed the temple. He encouraged the people to return to the Lord, for he is gracious. He told them not to be faithless, not to be stiff-necked like their fathers, but to yield themselves to the Lord and to come to his sanctuary. In 2 Chronicles 30, verses 6 and 9, Hezekiah says, O people of Israel, return to the Lord the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may turn again to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. For if you return to the Lord, your brothers and your children will find compassion with their captors and return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. Hezekiah was pleading with the people to return to the Lord. So the Lord listened uh, to the intercession of Moses. He was unwilling uh, to destroy the people of Israel. He graciously renewed his covenant. He graciously renewed his covenant with them. For he is a God uh, ready to forgive. Um, he is willing to forgive. He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. If the New Testament doesn't demonstrate that to us, then I don't know what would. He does not forsake his people. Even when they, when they made a golden calf to worship, even when they committed great blasphemies in his great mercy, he didn't forsake them. He didn't destroy them or blot them out altogether. He gave his good spirit to instruct them. Is this not the, the very same God whom we've gathered to worship tonight? If you return to him, he is gracious and merciful. He will not turn away his face from you. He is ready to forgive you if you repent and return to him. Now that brings us here to our second point tonight. The Lord commands the two tablets of the law to be kept in the Ark of the Covenant. Notice again what it says in verses 1 through 5 of our text. At that time, the Lord said to me, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first and come up to me on the mountain and make an ark of wood. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets that you broke and you shall put them in the ark. 
So I made an ark of acacia wood and cut two tablets of stone like the first and went up the mountain with the two tablets in my hand. And he wrote on the tablets in the same writing as before, the Ten Commandments that the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain out of the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. Then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark that I had made. And there they are, as the Lord commanded me. How is it that God, who is righteous and holy and just, could forgive the, sa- could forgive the sins of Israel and be gracious? How could he abide with them in the light of their sin? certainly true that God listened to the the intercession of Moses. He answered his prayer. But what's ultimately the reason for which God could pass over the sins of his people? The answer to that question is found in the symbolism of the Ark of the Covenant. Andrew Stewart writes, The Ark was rich in Old Covenant symbolism. Its lid was the mercy seat, sprinkled with blood on the Day of Atonement. Over it, the cherubim spread their wings, indicating that the God of heaven had drawn near to his people in mercy. Inside were the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. Now, all of this is in embryonic form in our text but we don't want to overlook the symbolism of the Ark of the Covenant and the way in which it's emphasized in this passage. The Ark is described in greater detail in Exodus 25, and there we learned, as our dear brother Bob read, that it was was overlaid with pure gold. It was uh, carried by poles of acacia wood that were overlaid with gold, uh, and they remained in the rings of the Ark, It was overshadowed by two gold cherubim of hammered work. In Exodus 25, 20 through 22, it says, The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, And in the ark, you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. Now this word for for mercy seat is... Hilasterion in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and it it refers to either a a means of expiation or a place of propitiation. For it was here on the the lid of the Ark of the Covenant uh, that blood from the sin offering was sprinkled on the Day of Atonement. This is the, the place of propitiation where blood was sprinkled. For instance, go ahead and turn with me to Leviticus 16, 
15 through 16a. This is a passage that you've already seen today. Unless you were sleeping. Leviticus 16, 15 through 16a. It says, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, speaking about the high priest. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleannesses of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. I mean, this is again the same word for mercy seat uh, here in the Greek, hilasterion. So, So let's go ahead and tie all this together. We're told that the the two tablets of stone were placed in the Ark of the Covenant, and there they were kept. And the covenant was covered by the mercy seat, the hilasterion, or place of propitiation. But what was directly above the mercy seat between the two cherubim? That was the place of God's dwelling, the Shekinah glory, the presence of God. In Exodus 25, 22, the Lord God says, there I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. Numbers 7 verse 89 says, And when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim, and it spoke to him. So as the the Lord God meets with Moses from above the ark of the covenant, He looks down to see the tablets of stone in the ark, as it were. And they remind him of something, Uh, do they not? They remind him of the stubbornness and sin of his people. His people have broken his commandments. His people have transgressed his holy law. His people have trespassed against him. But then he sees something else between him and the tablets of stone. He sees the mercy seat. He sees the place of propitiation. And he sees the blood of the sin offering sprinkled over it. That's the reason why he can pass over their sins. There below him on the mercy seat covering the ark is the sprinkled blood of the sin offering. And there the Lord God is reminded that propitiation has been made. 
the symbolism becomes even more significant when we think about this term in the New Testament. Because the term hilasterion appears only twice in the New Testament. We looked at various passages in Sunday school this morning. Most of those passages were a different word, hilasmos, which is translated propitiation. But hilasterion only appears twice. Once with reference to the place of propitiation, and once with reference to the means of expiation. So let's look at both. To begin in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, another passage our dear brother Bob read to us. We're told that the, the old covenant had regulations for worship, in an earthly place of holiness. Uh, we're told that a, a tent was prepared. And in the first section of it were the, the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. And the lampstand, of course, was, was shining down on the bread of the presence, signifying the presence of God with his people. And there were 12 loaves, if you will, re- representing the 12 tribes of Israel. This was the holy place. Uh, Behind the second curtain was a a second section called the most holy place, uh, having the the golden altar of incense and the Ark Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was the the golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant, the tablets of stone. Then in verse 5, it says, above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. There it is, the place of propitiation. So this is very similar to the way in which this term is used um, in the Old Testament. but, But now let's look at the only other instance of it in the New Testament. And here it appears, referring to the means of expiation. The very same word. Go ahead and turn with me to Romans 3, 21 through 26. And I apologize if if this is taking almost the shape of more of a Bible study tonight. Uh, But I want you to see the imagery that undergirds all of this and the symbolism that undergirds all of this. Romans 3, 21 through 26. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, hilasterion, by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness 
because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So how is it that God, who is righteous and holy and just, could forgive the sins of Israel and be gracious? How could he abide with them in the light of their sin? Because he planned to put forward Jesus Christ as a means of expiation. And the place of propitiation, the mercy seat, the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, over which the blood of the sin offering would be sprinkled, prefigured Christ and his sufferings. That's how God could pass over the sins of his people. Even though his law was broken, even though it condemned them, God provided a place of propitiation on the Ark of the Covenant upon which the sprinkled blood of the sin offering would prefigure the blood of the Lamb who would take away the world's sins. Is this not the very same God whom we've gathered tonight to worship? Um, if you return to him, he is gracious and merciful. He will not turn away his face from you. He is ready to forgive you if you repent and return to him. He has made propitiation. Now that brings us here to our final point tonight. The Lord sets apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant and to stand before the Lord. Notice what it says in verses 8 through 9 of Deuteronomy 10. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance, as the Lord your God said to him. It is a trustworthy, trustworthy gospel saying that the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. But that doesn't mean that every single person in the world will be pardoned. Christ came to uh, lay down his life for the sheep, and his sheep are all those who repent and believe in him. In fact, the only way that anyone's sins have ever been pardoned has been through faith in the promise of the gospel, whether it was through the promises, types, and sacrifices wherein Christ was signified, or whether it was through the, the preaching of Christ crucified and raised. There has never been pardon and forgiveness for anyone outside of Jesus. Outside of Jesus, there has only been judgment. And there only ever will be judgment outside of Jesus. This was evident on the day that the Levites were ordained for the service of the Lord. Uh, they were the instruments of God to visit his wrath on the wicked. This account is recorded in Exodus 32, 25 through 29. 
Exodus 32, 25 to 29 says, And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, this is in the context of the, the idolatry that was taking place and the golden calf happens at the beginning of the chapter. Exodus 32, 25 through 29, it says, And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. It was the sons of Levi who were set apart for the service of the Lord. That required a, a devotion to the Lord above everything else. Each one was appointed at the cost of his own son, or of his own brother. He was ordained for the service of the Lord at the cost of his own father or mother. He was called to love the Lord more than his mother or brother or father or son. Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the king? Who will be his helpers, other lives to bring? Who will leave the world's side? Who will face the foe? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for him will go? That is what Moses stood in the gate of the camp proclaiming. And it was the sons of Levi who responded. They all gathered around him. They were willing to serve the Lord even at the greatest imaginable cost. They were willing to serve the Lord even at the greatest imaginable cost. It was these very same Levites who were appointed to carry the Ark of the Covenant in which the two tablets of the law were placed below the lid of the mercy seat. It was these very Levites who were appointed to maintain the temple along with all of its regulations for worship, to take care of all of the holy elements. It was the Levites who were called to spend their entire lives uh, ministering to the Lord and blessing the people in his name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. They didn't receive a portion, an inheritance in the land like the rest of their brothers. They, They lived off the tithes and offerings of others, for the Lord alone was their portion. The scriptures clearly teach us that the Lord our God is ready to forgive. That he is ready to forgive. That he longs 
to do so, he is ready to forgive all who repent and turn to him. All who believe in his promise. He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not forsake his people who turn to him. This was clearly displayed in his covenant renewal with Israel. For though they had stubbornly sinned against him, he didn't blot them out. He didn't destroy them. He gave them grace. But it's also true that our Lord doesn't condone sin. He is righteous and holy and just. And that means that he doesn't pass over sin without propitiation. The two tablets of the law were kept in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was covered with the lid of the mercy seat. So when the Lord, the the righteous and holy God of heaven, when he would meet with Moses above the ark, he would look down and see the sprinkled blood of the sin offering covering the place of propitiation. The place of propitiation prefigured the means of expiation, the shedding of Jesus' blood. Our God is gracious and passes over the sins of his people because he put forward Christ Jesus as a means of expiation by his blood, as a a means of propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, by simple faith. Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ by faith? Have you returned to the Lord? Have you repented of your sins and acknowledged your guilt before the holy God of heaven and trusted in Jesus Christ in whom God freely offers forgiveness, freely offers pardon for your sins, freely welcomes you into fellowship with him. Outside of Jesus Christ, there only remains judgment. It's only in him that anyone finds forgiveness. Jesus, thou hast bought us, not with gold or gem, but with thine own lifeblood, for thy diadem, with thy blessing filling, each who comes to thee, come to him, come to him, come to him, each who comes to thee, thou hast made us willing, thou hast made us free, by thy grand redemption, By thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. Are you willing, like the Levites, to leave everything and follow the Lord? What if he were to call you to give up everything in this life to do so? Has the reality of the forgiveness of sins and the mercy of God penetrated your heart to such an extent that you have determined to live for Jesus Christ, that you have determined to follow him even if he should take you to the far ends of the world to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Indeed, it should be our prayer that all of us, all of us would be willing to do so. That all of us, All of us would be willing to do so.
Let us bow before our gracious God and Father who put forward Christ Jesus as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Let us confess our sins and trust in the blood of Jesus. Let us resolve to leave this world behind and follow him. And let us not forget the symbol